I'm Joshua Potts, Mr. Potsable, always with the brother with the same mother, Aaron Potts, Super Hot Potts, and you're watching and listening to your favorite two black runners win every single two black two. got a bonus episode for you y'all know it's black history month and we're giving you all that black love but we're also going out to spokane this friday man yeah we busy we going out to do our interview thing at the eliac invitational I like. Gonna, I like. Dang. I. I. You know. I'm not good with. I'm not good with my. My words. Hey. You. Like you that. have it. You have it down by Friday though. I'll have, have it down, down by, by Friday, Friday though. I like. <laughs> we'll be at the Lilac Invitational up in Spokane, Washington, at the podium. That's where actually U.S. Indoors is gonna be this year. So it's gonna be a little preview. UAC debuting all their folks there. Too. Not not debuting, but showcasing everybody down there. Got a whole bunch of Brooks Beast athletes. We got people from OTC. It's about to be crazy. It's about to be lit, but for this podcast, we have to bring on somebody for this bonus. We have to bring on Jeff Merrill of Tracklandia to really break it down what is going down at this meet because it's going to be exciting, Aaron. There's a lot of great races, and it's going to be just tight to have Jeff on the podcast right now, Aaron. Most definitely. Y'all need to tap into this meet. Tracklandia has been doing so many great things. If y'all saw when we were doing that commentary at Mount Sac. Um, this is again by the same company, Jeff. So so happy to have you, and honored to have you on on the show today. How are you doing? Yeah, that's right, guys. I a heck of an intro, man. I was waiting to jump in there, like, and I'm Jeff, ready to, <laughs> ready to start this thing off. I love you. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here, though. I'm uh, I'm very excited to be talking with you guys this morning. It's it's 9 a.m. on a Sunday, so I've been just. Hey chugging coffee looking at my notes that you sent over so ready to go yeah bro i just i just got up i low-key like just got up like 30 <laughs> minutes ago but we good we out here we chilling definitely a great day new balance grand prix is on right now but we have another exciting meet like three exciting indoor meets week after week after week that's why i really like the beginning of this year as we get in the track it really feels that track is back and with the lilac invitational it's really just going to continue that momentum so first question jeff like you putting this meet together like what is the lilac invitational if this is something Somebody's first time hearing about this meet like what is it well the lilac grand prix is a meet that no, uh oh it's okay guys lgp lgp 2022 <laughs> that's the hashtag for uh for this year all right post it all over all your right. instagram uh <laughs> yeah lilac grand prix first of all we're, we're super excited to have you guys join us trackside as our trackside experts and you're going to be doing a lot more than just interviewing athletes down there. We want your assessment of what's going on, sideline reporting, uh, chatting with coaches, getting a feel for the upcoming races, feeling the, the palpable energy and tension right before the gun goes off. Man, I'm getting dry mouth already thinking about it. But <laughs> Lilac Grand Prix started off when uh, Pete Julian called me up and said, hey, we should have a world-class indoor meet on the West Coast. And the podium just opened up and they they didn't miss a step when they were designing that thing. Like it is a it is a first class facility. 
right on the banks of the river in Spokane. Spokane, highly underrated city too. There's a, it's got a great downtown with like a raging river rolling right through the center of it in a waterfall. Like what other city do you know that has a giant waterfall in the middle of downtown? I can't but, name one. Yeah, you, I, I can't name one off the top of my head, but <laughs> that's why everybody needs to go to Spokane. Take a gondola ride over the waterfall there. <laughs> but back inside the podium, they designed that thing perfectly. I mean, the track is by all accounts fast. Um, we know that uh, Michael Williams, the Oregon Oregon sprinter, ran 6:48 there, which uh, which doesn't say a whole lot for mid distance and distance running, but uh, it's a speedy flat surface. And then yesterday, uh, some Montana kids ran 3:59 and 7:56 on the track too. So. Uh, this is going to be the first kind of showcase of the facility from a professional standpoint. But I was texting with Pete last night and the the UAC athletes are just giddy to get on that track and show what it can do. So they're looking to make some noise and, and run some fast time. But uh, UAC actually, back to the original question, which I keep, uh, I keep dodging to talk about other things. Um, <laughs> UAC wanted to put a world-class meet on uh, on the West Coast, and now that we have a facility to do so, um, we're able to do that at the podium. But they wanted it to be about racing. So UAC is, a, as you know, a new, uh, newly named team, uh, formerly kind of known as, as Pete's Dragons, I guess, but that's just through the... Uh, uh, through the, the interwebs. Yeah, they want they want to be known as a team and they, their culture is about racing other people and getting on the track and competing. And uh, for us, us guys who are kind of in the know with the sport, we know that that's what the sport's about. The sport's about matchups. It's about um, taking stock of your competition and thinking about how I can beat this person that's lining up next to me. Uh, what kind of skills do they bring to the table? what does my approach have to be in order to get to that finish line first? So uh, Pete Julian's school of racing very much reflects that. And, and something that I liked, um, I always go back to when I talked to Donovan Brazier about his approach to racing. Uh, he threw out a great quote. He said, you gotta be willing to bump elbows with people you're gonna be having dinner with later tonight. So when he's off the track and the team mentality is when they're off the track, you got you're a nice person you care about people let's uh let's do things that that help the sport all bets are off when you get on the track they're not telling anybody what they plan on doing like they're out there to win it and yeah. the other team should be as well so that's kind of the energy around this meet yeah i love that too especially coming out of covid where there was you know we were living in a time trial era because well, we're not even coming out of covid you know covid's still raging but coming out of the, the lockdown <laughs> quarantine times where everyone had to time trial but we still you were one of the first people to like find a way to still broadcast these meets to the public what is it about the way that you present these track meets that's different than let's say like the new balance grand prix that's on or milrose on last week because i feel like there is like a different type of energy that you bring uh with the track meets that you decide to show to the showcase to the world. That's something that we, we focus on a lot. Um, whenever we put on a track meet, we have to think what distinguishes this meet 
from all other meats out there. Mm -hmm. We want to take, take a look and make each one as individualized as possible. Each meat has to have its own meaning, its own point of view, and its own reason for existing. Because if it doesn't, it's just another track meat, like lost out there in, in, uh, in the ether. But that's why we kind of go with a little theming when we, when we put on our meats and we try and dig yeah. down to what is the essence of this race and what is the seed of what's happening um, in this race with the matchups or the surrounding area that it's taking place in, um, the, the athletes and their personalities that are competing here. We like to take those and be as authentic as possible to, to all of those pieces and then find different ways to create and showcase uh, what those people in those races are about. So we can use a bunch of different mediums to be able to do that. But we find that if, we're, if we put a lot of work in to make these things exciting in a lot of different ways, then it gets the athletes pumped up to race too. And, and it makes them feel like, oh, this really matters. I need to take this win here. Yeah. Like I need to make some noise and make a statement. And then that gets the fans jacked up. Like that's what we want to see. We want to see the matchups and we want to see uh, people doing everything that they can to win a race. That's what the sport's all about. And uh, that, I guess that's the kind of energy we try to bring each time around. So uh, it started with the hunt, I guess, and, and the Portland 5,000. And we thought coming off the back of the Diamond League, um, kicking the 5K out. I mean, they've since like put the 5,000 meter back in the schedule, but this was 2019. So, I mean, I was a young man back then. Um, <laughs> Yet, like we wanted to show that, hey, a 5,000 meters on the track can be just as exciting as any other race. And, and we can do this with just one event. So from then on, uh, we wanted to make each race as special as it could possibly be and look as dramatic and, um, and authentic to the athletes racing in it that it could possibly be. And, and try and make each event that we put on a cult classic, which is a high bar but yeah and we we're gonna miss sometimes um but that's that's what we try to bring each time we, we try to bring the energy that it's like hey we've got something new up our sleeve and wait till they see this and uh and i feel like we we walk into a meet and so do the athletes thinking like this is going to be a show and people are going to get excited about this and we're going to give the people what they want and that that's what we want to do because we love this sport yeah Man, y'all are really getting the behind the scenes of how everything really comes together. And I really love it because when you when you watch one of your meets, the Tracklandia meets, like it's definitely very distinct of how something on NBC will be produced or any other type of like company. Like I really think that there is a distinct factor to it. But now going back to the lilac, what do you think? I think you kind of already touched on it, but kind of reiterating if you already did, like what is something that's What's the, what's the uniqueness about the Lilac Invitational that makes people need to watch this and be excited for it? I think, uh, first of all, it starts with the brand new facility, um, state-of-the-art facility there. I think like we're going to be able to do some cool things because the tech setup inside that facility is amazing. They basically took like um, the Spokane Arena next door, which is nearly NBA quality, and put all of the specs of that inside this, this track facility. So it's something that other tracks around the country don't, don't really have that kind of setup. And then like 
um, the Spokane sports crew toured the world looking at indoor tracks too mm -hmm. and trying to trying to make this um, as fast as possible and as as cued in as possible to heightened performances. So I'm really excited about that. Spokane, highly underrated city. So I feel like when people get out there, they're going to be excited. Um, so we try and take that energy as well and like of that that surrounding culture within Spokane and infuse that into the meat, which is where uh, it got its name, Lilac Grand Prix. Spokane's the Lilac City. Uh, mm. So we'll give you we'll give you each a bouquet of of lilac flowers when you show up. Yeah, but uh. Weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll take those back for valentine's day so i'll need some of hey. those right yeah <laughs> uh yeah that's coming up uh yeah they have a, a meet or a, a big road race there called bloomsday every year in early may and that gets like forty thousand people running on the street so one of the biggest races in the country um but i think yeah further than that what makes this this meet special is that um Pete Julian's group, the Union Athletics Club, early on committed to it and committed to hosting this thing and bringing in other teams and saying, we're going to have all of our stars racing this meet. Like we're going to, and that's tough to do because as a, mm -hmm. as a meet director, somebody like me, like losing my hair, uh, worrying about like what athletes are going to show up and stuff to have a team say, hey, we want to throw down and we're going to bring all of our stars come get us. Like that's, yeah. that's a huge, that's a huge thing to do. So other teams are stepping up too. Like the Brooks beasts always do that too. Um, they're a team that that's making a lot of noise right now. And historically I've said, hasn't gotten a lot of respect, but they, they got a chip on their shoulder and they want to make some noise every time they step on the track. So when, when the Brooks beasts see that the union athletics club is saying, Hey, we're bringing, we're bringing all of our top dogs in. They're like, well, shit. So are we? We're bringing all of our guys in too, and we're gonna match up. And and the real question and women. And and the thing is too, it's like last year with these type of meets, you know, it was Bowerman being like picking up with sound running, like, hey, we're gonna have this meet, whatever. And but it was just so geared towards them. Sometimes it was just a time trial. Sometimes there were people there, but this has a different feeling, kind of, kind of taking a subtle shot, like at at Bowerman's way of doing things a little oh, bit. Oh, I would well, say, well, I mean. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I wouldn't, now Aaron, I wouldn't say that. I would say that what makes this sport amazing and what we need to focus in on a little bit more, I think, is the different identities of, of each of the teams and how they do things. So like the Red Lightning Express of the Bowerman Track Club, they like to roll out that pace train and just knock people off like as they go, they're like, hey, jump on board and try and stop us. So they've got their their style of doing things. Jerry Schumacher has a different way of doing things than Pete Julian to get to that overall prize. Um, so that I feel like developing those types of, of cultures around each team and, and knowing what those different identities are, then we can set them against each other on the track too. And we can start talking about them what works in, best. in that specific way. Yeah, what works best. and um just like in like bill belichick has a different system than uh sean mcveigh or whoever like in the nfl and it's like well well who's gonna win this thing like who's gonna who's gonna take this and danny Mackey has a different pr approach than pete julian and i think like up until recently we've seen these like 
uh, running clubs and, uh, and training groups seen as just that. But now in like the social media era and like everybody's got like YouTube channels and things like that and that elevate the presence of those teams. So these, these groups in the sport are becoming full on professional teams and they have their own culture and identity. And like, that's something that we need to cue in on and maximize because it's something that they really care about. And we should too. And we could, doesn't mean that you have to be a fan of just one single team. You could be a fan of a bunch of them, but you can be interested in, in what makes each of them tick. And that's why we're going to get you guys down trackside too, to kind of look in on like what each of those teams are doing to prep for these races. And then you're going to get to talk to the coaches ahead of time too, and get their assessment on things. Yeah, it's gonna be hype. It's gonna be hype, and I apologize for my brother trying to stir the pot between between everybody. But hey, there's another. You got to, yeah. That's it's a right. question. People are people. Are, it was a question people are thinking about. That's all I'm saying. But, yeah. there but are, there's another. Go ahead, go ahead, Joshua. I'm just I'm just saying you were stirring the pot, but there's another <laughs> pot that we need to be worried about at the Lilac Grand Prix, and that is sweetening sweetening the pot as well. That's going to be something that's really big involved in this meet. Can you kind of explain that for us where kind of like the prize purse? It's really interesting, really, how this has been developed over like the past like year and a half, like pay-per-view track meets kind of in a sense and this prize purse and everything. I really do think it's the next wave. I really like it and getting to know like how much they're getting paid and really just I think it brings just more and more like. It, it makes the viewer definitely more involved in the race when we're able, when we see like our pay-per-view dollars and our money going in, actually going back to the athletes and giving back to them in a sense. Yeah, well, I like to hear that. And uh, it, it kind of started, I guess, during the Big Friendly series when um, we started looking at different, different contracts with either different major broadcasters or streaming services and seeing where that money went. That uh, if you pay a subscription to to a big time broadcaster or or like a or a streaming service i mean these groups do a great service to showcase i mean let's be honest the the nature of this sport um athletes get paid from their sponsors and then sponsors appreciate the visibility that comes with being shown on tv um but that being said all other major sports in the u.s have a broadcast revenue sharing program with their athletes so the NFL uh, gives 51% of broadcast revenue straight to the players. Damn. And we started thinking like, hey, if we're going to be taking money um, from people, then we need, to, we need to have it go to the people who are really running this sport and who it can really benefit. And then maybe we get a little bit of what we want as fans too. Because if, if they see that the, the fans are invested in them, and and what they're doing on the track then we get the matchups that we want to see if we can like if we can make that purse um as big as we can or or enticing enough that that athletes are like hey uh i know what the fans want they want to see uh josh kerr versus craig angles in an 800 or they want to see um the uac go after a world record in the in the dmr or they want to see Isaiah Harris versus Donovan Brazier in the 600 meters. I know I'm giving away all these things. Um, <laughs> yeah, they want to see that. Then we we have a voice as fans to be able to make that happen. And so do sponsors too. I mean, the system that's built here is that um, sponsors can can purchase races and add to the purse as well, or they can 
they can add to the purse by sweetening the pot too. Um, and that's where like, as you, as pay-per-view tickets are, are purchased for this race, you don't get locked into a subscription. Uh, it's a one-time purchase, but as you purchase your ticket, you can see the live updating of the prize purse on our website. Uh, and you can see, yeah, you can see the numbers go up. And if the, uh, the pot is sweetened, what we call it, uh, you can add to each individual race if you want to, to, to make uh, the prize purse for that race even bigger. So we don't have the ability to donate to or to add money to a single athlete because this is about racing. If they want to come in and, and take that money, then they can't. Um, but they've got to they got to race for it. So we thought that that was the most fair way to distribute money early on. Uh, starting this pay per view process with the the revenue sharing is to add it straight into the prize purse because that's totally based on on merit and performance. So it's it's directly linked to what an athlete does on the track, which we feel is necessary. But that being said. We're looking, we're already looking at other programs that we can create to benefit underdogs as well. So we're starting to look into creating an underdog fund where we can carve out a little bit of that money and pay for unsponsored athletes to fly into our races and compete with the big dogs. So yeah, it, like that's, we want to create that kind of platform for stars to emerge like that. And we know that we need the stars in order to get the eyes to benefit all of the athletes in the field but hey who doesn't want a good underdog story right we want to benefit the little guy too i love that i love everything y'all doing because y'all really like y'all for the culture y'all really are trying to progress track and field and help these athletes and i think a lot of the people that will really watch track and field are people that want to support it you know and that i think a lot of times like this is a whole nother podcast, but a lot of times like track and field fans get caught up like, hey, we need DK Metcalf out there. Like, you know, we what? need to get the, <laughs> we need to get like the random person to start watching track and field. But a lot of times I believe like there are track fans out there. You got to give them a reason to watch. And like, I sometimes feel like, I feel, I sometimes feel like we fail to just really even target our own people. But I think what you the business model you're building is very appealing to someone that actually does like track or even just likes it like a little bit because you're also pulling in those athletes that are gonna catch the casual track fans eye so i i'm super i'm super excited for what y'all have going here well i think so yeah to to get back to that point too um whatever is what is uh helping or making track lack in, in, in popularity at the moment is not the fault of the athletes at all. Um, we like, we have amazing personalities in the sport. We have so many talented people and hardworking people and, and they're the greatest at, like athletes on the planet. I think the downfall right now is that uh, it's not being shown in a creative way or, um, in a way that that people are putting enough effort into respect uh, the athletes and and what they bring to the table, so it's our fault. I'm I'm taking full responsibility for that, and and we need to prove that we are capable enough to showcase these amazing athletes. Um, so something that I always tell athletes, and I want to make known to anybody who comes to our meets, is like what you need to do is be the truest version of yourself that you could possibly be. 
and then execute your race to the best of your ability. And it's our job to know you and know what you're capable of and tell that story in an authentic way and tell all those stories together in an authentic way. Because a race is, is, the, is all these different threads of backstories coming together for each of these athletes. And then they interweave and tangle with each other on the track and clash. And, and then like eventually one of them wins. Um, but that doesn't discount any of the other stories in the race. There are so many. Uh, and I, wanna, I want people to see that when you watch a race, if you take one of those threads out, the entire landscape of the race changes. It's not just the, the story of the person who wins. Like somebody may have clipped that person's heel in, in the race that changed the whole thing. So if you take that one person out, it's kind of like the butterfly effect, I guess. Like the whole thing, the whole thing changes. We need to start looking at races that way and not just as per time pursuits, but yeah. as this is a game being played on the track. And I think when we start looking at it that way as time as a description of the effort that it takes to defeat your opponent, as opposed to the end goal itself, then we start elevating the personalities in the track because the focus is on the people. Dang, Aaron, when do we leave for Spokane, bro? I'm trying. I'm hyped, <laughs> man. I'm hyped. When, 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 when is the flight? When is the flight? Let me get on. Let me get on the flight. I'm hyped to be out there at Lilac. I think it's going to be an amazing experience at this Grand Prix, that Lilac Grand Prix. But before we get you out of here, man, I got to know because we're getting hyped. People are getting jittery. All the track nerds are like, they they, they salivating at the mouth right now. Who's going to, who's racing? You already dropped in a couple of names about what's going down. Like, what are you most excited to see race at the, at this uh, Grand Prix? Well, man, I, I gotta say that I'm, I'm very excited about the men's 600 at this point. Like we had, like, we've got Donovan Brazier in there. Um, and we all saw that he ran 46, five in the 400 at Milrose games. And he was bouncing around like a pinball on the track too. So I think it's very possible that he could run under 46 in the 400. He's got that kind of fitness, but yeah. What does that mean for a 600 right now? Like he's, he's got the world record in 113.7, but is he going to beat that? And then to just make that race a little sweeter, Isaiah Harris is like, I want a piece of that too. I want to <laughs> see what I can do in there. And that guy's run 114.9. He did that in college, Jeez. I think. So like, I'm pumped about that matchup right there. Um, I think the women's 15 is going to be really interesting. Like we've got uh, Coco in there, Constance Klosterhoffen, Corey McGee's in there, Danny Jones, Allie Buhowski from the Beast. Like um, I'm always excited to see Taryn Rawlings jump in too, because I think she's a name on the rise. Like she just joined Golden Coast down in San Diego and that group is doing a lot of big things right now. So uh, I'm interested to see what she can do in this race. What else do we got here? Men's 1500. We were talking about it before we went live here. Like that race is a crapshoot at this point. Like we don't really know what's going to, like there isn't a clear favorite there. It's just, you got, you got big names in there. You got, yeah, Brandon Kidder that we were talking about. That guy, that guy's a gamer always. And then Charlie Hunter for Union Athletics Club. Um, Vince Ciotti, like that guy. Underrated. Yeah, he's he's very underrated. And like, I think he wants to win more than, I mean, dare I say, anybody on the track. 
because <laughs> like I remember him pacing Chanel Price uh, in our like at the end of one of our meets in the summer of 2020 where she was going after sub two flat and it was kind of an or yeah it was kind of an exhibition race because she was rabbited by Vince and Will Paulson but going into that race like the other guys on the OTC were like he's not gonna let Chanel win this like even in a <laughs> even in a race like that where he's pacing her to get under two he had to cross the finish line first then to cap off the evening uh the Union Athletics Club women uh, are going for the world record in the DMR. So Ooh. that should be pretty interesting. Um, Union Athletics Club on the women's side is an interesting situation because they've got a group that of four Americans on the team that can go after that record. So they're probably one of the only teams that have like um, four, a squad of four Americans so that they can they can shoot for that record. So. Sinclair, um, Alexa, you can, Raven, and then who's going to run the 400? And then she, Raven's going to run the four. You, oh, wait, who am I missing? Shannon Osika? Oh, okay. Yeah, you got, and you got Ella Donahue in there too. So, I mean, who's, who's going to be on what leg? We'll find out. But yeah, solid races all around. It's going to, it's going to be a good meet. Pretty excited. Yeah. I'm not trying to stir the pot or nothing, but you know me. Stir I'm just looking, I'm looking through these matchups and I'm excited to just see Brooks Beast versus UAC and every, every event they have, just cause like, I've been wanting to say on this show, particularly that the Brooks Beast may have the best middle distance program in the US, especially now with Zay on there. And they got Josh Kerr, can we win? Brandon Kidder, at least on the men's side, for sure. They have one of the the best programs but they got some women as well nia atkins doing her thing and there's a lot of like direct matchups that i'm seeing throughout these meet from like some two really big emerging teams at the moment so like i'm excited to see those head-to-head matchups yeah me too i yeah you're totally right about the beasts and like i've been trying to get relays going for a while too with these teams and i uh -huh. think uh that's something that we can see in the future um, I mean, I shot a text to Danny Mackey after, after they signed Isaiah Harris. And I was like, you just let me know. And we want to organize a four by eight. And then we got a lot of, a lot of interest from like district track club out in DC yeah. and even fast eight down in Australia too. And they were like, Hey, we want to jump on this as well. So I think there's a, there are a lot of like the OTC could put together a great four by eight too. Yeah. Uh, Atlanta track club. I, Shane Strike is on fire right now. Like, could you imagine that if we got that kind of four by eight going? How much excitement that would bring! Like, people would be out of their minds. Yeah, no, that would be that would be awesome for sure. I love District Track Club too. They have a bunch of 144, 144, 144, 145 guys that don't get the attention that a lot of these other people get either. And even with OTC. It's just like people don't really realize how many people are really like you're saying how much our athletes are really running fast we just have to show we just have to showcase them i think a relay that would a relay meet would be amazing i mean world relays was awesome i, I loved watching that yeah and I, I think on a domestic level so i mean that's that's uh countries versus countries but we have these teams that everybody loves following here and we should we should do the work to to really elevate them and, and set them up against each other, which is 
which is what's happening. So I'm excited to see how that develops going forward. And we're going to do everything we can to, to push it and be a part of it. Well, we're glad to be a part of that too, Jeff. Like really, it's going to be an honor to be out there uh, this week at the Lilac Grand Prix to be on this pay-per-view. All y'all need to go out there and buy, help sweeten this pot as well. Cause like, they're they going to deserve it. They're going to be some big time. Man, Donovan Razor versus Isaiah Harris in the six. That's going to be crazy. And this men's 3002, Ben Blankenship and Jake Hayward and David Ribbage. That's right. That's going to be, those three are about to go at it. That's going to be a, like a triple threat in WWE. That's about to be <laughs> wild. So I'm, I'm, I'm hyped to be there, man. Thanks for coming on and talking to us. It's going to be, it's going to be an exciting experience this weekend. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, I neglected to say the men's, the men's 3K. And I, I've heard that those, like, there's some rumblings that they want to go fast. And Ribbage is excited. Uh, Blankenship is super excited about getting into that race too. And then, I mean, Jake Hayward's a silent assassin out there. Like the Bro. guy just, he goes in, does his business and he's out. And like Blankenship says he's cool as a cucumber too. Like nothing rattles that guy. So that, that'll be a fun thing, a fun thing to watch. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm pumped about having you guys up there too. We're gonna have a good time. Uh, I can't wait to hear your analysis trackside talking to different people down there and uh, getting a feel for things. I mean, smelling all the icy hot down there. Uh, Tiger Bomb. <laughs> yeah, Tiger Bomb. Shannon Rovery is going to be there too in the booth with me. So um, we'll be going back, back and forth chatting with you guys. It's going to be a good time. For sure. Appreciate you coming on. I'll be studying all week, uh, getting ready for this and happy to, yeah, to be joined by Shannon Ro Rovery too, Bay Area legend. That'll be that would be 1500 yeah, yeah. meter legend as well that would be pretty That's right cool. yeah yeah she's excited to get up there who doesn't love spokane i mean it's a it's a great town lots of great breweries there as well so we'll have to we'll have to toast some afterwards yeah, we appreciate you, Jeff, for coming on. Thanks to everybody listening to this Two Black Runners bonus episode. See y'all at the Lilac Grand Prix this Friday. Let's get it. Yeah.